Hey everyone, welcome to the Worship Artistry Podcast. My name is Jason Houtsma, and with me today is not Daniel Ornelas, but we nope. have another Worship Artistry mainstay. You may notice him from his red beard and from the 10 billion keyboard tutorials he shot in the last <laughs> year. Like, how many were you shooting in a week, Ryan King of Worship uh, Artistry? <laughs> <laughs> What's up? Um, yeah, well, I was doing about two dozen songs a month. So yeah, it was, it was grueling. Yes. Yes. But they were all amazing. And, uh, I, I couldn't believe it. Like Ryan would hand me his sheet of like, yeah, here's what I did. And I, like, it wouldn't even register to me how many videos, how many <laughs> tutorials you were able to shoot because it takes me so long to do it. But it was that way. Even when we set you up the first time, I remember yeah. coming out and being like, okay, I, I think I planned three days there to get you all going. Yeah. And you were like, I've already set myself up. Uh, here's the color adjustment. How's this? Ding, ding, ding. We got done in like an hour and I'm like, well, I guess, I guess <laughs> you're right, good let's... at this. What do you want to do now? <laughs> <laughs> let's go to the beach. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so Ryan, uh, Ryan's here. Like Daniel's in South Africa right now and Ryan is here. Uh, I was going to have him in as a guest anyway. And he was like, well, just do the intro with me too. Um, Sweet. so we're just going right into it. So Ryan, uh, so, so let's let's back up just a second. Uh, if, you don't, if you don't know Ryan, Ryan is the keyboard instructor for Worship Artistry. He has done yes, now sir. now over 400 tutorials, and he's he approaches them from a perspective of how to take just like I do with guitar. He takes kind of all the keyboard parts, patch upon patch upon patch upon patch, and he takes them and he puts them all into one performance that a one person can do. So if you have a single keyboardist, uh, he adds all those things. However. He's also a really accomplished piano player, and you've actually been doing some of those like solo piano playthroughs of some songs to kind of mm -hmm. step back from it and go, hey, if you don't want to have yeah. 20 synths, here's how it goes. So we're going to kind of talk both ways, but we're going to first start out talking uh, to piano players and, and, and talking about making the transition to keyboard, because I think, uh, you know, we hear from a lot of piano players, you know, they're asking about gear. And we've talked about that a little bit here. Like they ask about gear, they're asking about patches, but I wanted to actually talk a little bit more today about the approach. How do you go from, I'm a piano player. I've been, I took piano lessons when I was five till the time mm -hmm. I was 20 and I can read music amazingly, or maybe not. I don't know uh, if you're like me, you did six years and learned basically nothing. And then, uh, <laughs> You know, and I've been playing in my church and I've been the main instrument and now my church is trying to create more of a band feel and the guitar player and singers over here saying, hey, you're not doing this right or hey, back off. Or First of all, let's talk about kind of approaching, making the switch from kind of a solo piano player mm -hmm. to a keyboardist. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I mean, I've, I've run into a ton of keyboard players that, um, you know, they were trained classically and they're they're used to playing piano and you know two decades ago or so uh or not even that far uh, much of worship music was very piano driven um and uh, even in a lot of churches still today there are a lot of churches that that might be the only instrument they have is an acoustic piano or they might have a piano and an organ or something like that and so that style of music is very different um, in terms of the way you play it compared to what we do more in modern uh, praise and worship with, um, you know, a full band, drums, electric guitars, and that sort of thing. And so in those kinds of settings, 
you know, you kind of hit the nail on the head where it's solo piano. And whenever you're a solo instrument, you can kind of play 100% of everything. And that's something that I always, that's kind of a rule of thumb that I give a lot of players is just the 100% rule. And so if you're by yourself, you can play 100% of the chords and the rhythm and, and all that. You're kind of having to feel all of those different parts. But once you start adding in other instruments, then you have to start scaling that back from 100%. So, for instance, if you add in an acoustic guitar player to the mix, he's going to ha handle some chord stuff as well as some rhythmic aspects. So you don't need to play 100% of that anymore. You need to come back down to like 50% or 60% kind of thing. Then you add in a drummer into the mix, and then it starts scaling down even more. And so what I see a lot of uh, keyboard players today who have been classically trained, they're still trying to bring all of that solo piano playing as far as how big the chords are and how many notes that they play at one time and how much rhythm they play into that modern keyboard setting. And they end up playing too much is what it kind of basically boils down to. And so um, that's kind of a, a big thing. Uh, it's just your your whole mentality and your thinking of moving from solo piano to doing more of a, a keyboard setting. You're you're not going to play as much. You're going to be blocking your chords a little bit more and just allowing your sounds to fill out the space while you allow other instruments to handle you know more rhythmic parts. Um, so that's kind of a that's that's a big thing that I see a lot of um, piano players need to adjust. It's just their way of thinking. They're not playing solo piano anymore. Now they're, they're, they're really kind of playing a totally different instrument almost. Um, so I, I think that's something they, they really have to consider as they step over into the more keyboard kind of world. So when you, when you say too much, are you saying uh, like the size of the chord? So you're saying like, hey, I'm using all 10 fingers. Yeah. Or are you saying um, more rhythmically like you're hitting about 20 notes and I need you at like a yeah. two? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's both. Um, a lot of times... You know, they'll fill out, they'll, they'll play um, three, probably three notes in their left hand, and they might use four notes in their right hand. And now there are times where, where I do that, like in the lessons, but it's specifically called for it. And so one of the things that I tell um, guys who are trying to make this transition is they kind of have to think uh, of it, of your modern worship band with drums, keys, bass, electric, acoustic, that sort of thing. You almost have to think of it more in terms of like an orchestra plays. Every orchestra member has their own specific part to play, and they don't play anything else outside of that. It's specific to their instrument. Versus solo piano, it's kind of free. You can, you can play as much rhythm and as much chords as you want to, and so as you shift over, your parts get more specific as to, as to what you're playing. And so uh, part of that is scaling down how big your chords are. You know, you might just in your right hand just do two notes, maybe three notes. In your left hand, you might just do octaves or even single notes, or you might not even play your left hand at all. Um, same thing with the rhythmic aspect of how many notes, you know, you're not kind of going back and forth between your hands anymore to provide that rhythmic aspect to move the song forward. You've now got an acoustic guitar player and a drummer that... Uh, help move that that rhythm forward so you don't need to do that as much so it starts shifting more over to just kind of holding your chords um out for you know half a bar or a bar or something like that so yeah so what do you say then to a piano player who uh you know has has all the skill has mm. all this classical skill they they can do amazing things mm. on the piano and you're like no i just need you to dial it back and now they're just like this is boring yeah 
What do you what do you say to that person? Uh, well, <laughs> uh, when I was a, a worship pastor down in South Florida, I actually had that that scenario happen where I had a very talented classical pianist come in, young guy, and he could sit down and he could play classical stuff, he could play show tunes, that that sort of thing. And he wanted to get involved, and so when he first got involved, um, he was just really playing way too much. He was doing big runs and fills and all that kind of stuff. And I just told him, I was like, hey, you know, what you're doing is, you know, great, but it's too much for what we're doing here. And so really all I need you to do is just, you know, block these chords. When we have a, if there's a melody that needs to come out, then yeah, let's, let, you can play that. Um, and so he did that for about three weeks and I would, throughout rehearsal, have to just continue to tell him, hey, you know, scale back, just block your chords, you know, make your chords a little bit less. And finally he told me, you know, he's like, man, this just really isn't for me. He's like, I, I really need to play more. And, and, I, and I just told him, I said, okay, that's all right. I said, for, I said you know, for this situation, um, less, the, kind of that mentality of less is more is what we're taking here. And he ended up, you know, not playing. He loved the church, so he stayed at the church. Um, but as far as playing is concerned, he just he just didn't play because he really felt like he needed to play as many notes as possible, kind of thing. And so, um, as far as trying to keep someone on board, that that becomes kind of a uh, a heart check for many people, you know. Or if like this guy, you know, he he wanted to play the way that he wanted to play versus playing what's needed in order to serve everyone around and support everyone around. So um, that's the first thing. I would always start with the heart side of things and say, hey, you know, you're, you're going to be challenged. And that, whether that's guitar players, drummers, you know, it, it, it's the entire team saying, hey, you're going to be challenged to do things that um, is outside your comfort zone. Um, but we have to keep in mind that it's not about us. It's about serving the greater good, serving the team, and doing what's not, you know, needed for our congregation. So, One of the things I've encouraged people to do is to try and find out kind of where their enjoyment and where the life comes in playing music for them, not just from a spiritual uh, standpoint, but also just from a musical standpoint. You know, I can get, when I'm sitting by myself, I really like to do a lot of stuff with my guitar, you know, like Mm -hmm. I'm I'm filling space, just like you're saying. Um, But when I'm in a band, instead of just listening to myself, I'm listening to the whole and that's what brings me the joy of it. It's like, yeah, I can take joy in that killer drum fill or I can take joy and like, Oh, with the keyboard player just hit that part. That's like amazing. Yeah. And maybe at that time I'm just hitting like one note, yeah. but I can get so into playing that one note because I'm a part of this big mm-hmm. thing. And I think kind of adjusting your expectation and being part of the whole is yeah. a, is a win. So when you're talking about uh, making a transition from an actual piano to a, to a keyboard, you know, mm-hmm. one of the questions we get all the time is, what app are you using? How are you getting that sound? You know, yeah. you have these like five to 10 minute tone sections in each yeah. one of your lessons where you're explaining mm-hmm. each thing that you've added and how mm-hmm. to approach them and how to use them. Uh, and then you also have like a little patch you can just download for five bucks. That's right. You can just <laughs> download the patch, bypass the tone section. But, you know, what What? What do people need to get started in that? I think that can be super overwhelming. If you were like, Jason, yeah. uh, you're going to switch from this kind of guitar to this kind of guitar, and that means that you're going to need a, com- a computer, mm-hmm. I would just be like, what? I'm what? out. <laughs> I'm too old for this. I'm, I'm changing to drums. Oh <laughs> uh, Yeah, so what, what do you uh, – how do you how do you approach it in a way that, that that it's not intimidating? What are kind of the basic things, and how do you keep your mindset right so you don't just get 
so caught up in the gear of it that you end up losing the playing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's a kind of a, a gradual shift. Um, like for, for what the way that I teach it, uh, here on worship artistry is, um, a little more unique than, than other places. And, you know, part of that is because a lot of churches now are using tracks and that sort of thing. And that's, that's all fine and good. But if you don't have tracks and you want it to sound like the album, then you're going to need to kind of cover it the way that we do here on worship artistry. And, um, it can be intimidating using, having to move from, okay, I've just been playing acoustic piano for, for years. And now I've got a keyboard or two keyboards and a computer and a uh, you know, with a, or a laptop and an iPad and I'm all these sounds and everything. So you, I think it's best to just take it a step at a time. And so if all you've been doing is playing, uh, an acoustic piano, once you get over to a keyboard, um, I think the first thing to do is just to maybe learn how to layer in a pad that is kind of up underneath mm-hmm. the, the piano and, and, and start to get acquainted with how that sounds. Um, a lot of, I, I remember, early on, uh, being kind of an aux keyboard player. And this was before, this was back in the days of actually having an acoustic piano on stage as well as a keyboard player on stage. And so all I'd do is just play pads. And when I first started off, I was trying to play the pad like I would play the acoustic piano. I'd be playing rhythm, but you can't hear rhythm when you're just having a pad. It just drones out. And so uh, a good friend of mine who, um, he, uh, he worked for Integrity Music, he produced Hillsong for years and all this kind of stuff. And uh, he, I remember him telling me, he's like, hey, you don't have to play as much. Just learn how this sounds and learn how this particular sound you know, kind of functions. It doesn't function like an acoustic piano. So um, I think that's kind of the first step, just learning how to layer in a pad with your acoustic piano and see how that sounds, see how that feels, learn how it, um, how it responds, and then just kind of take the next step, you know, whether that's using an electric piano sound. Um, acoustic piano players are you know, accustomed to that sound, so moving over to more of uh, Fender Rhodes or something like that can be a little bit different. And then just kind of begin to add on to it, maybe changing over to a pad that um, you can begin to brighten up and it gets that kind of bright synth sound. Um, the church that I was at down in, uh, down in Palm Beach Gardens, uh, Christ Fellowship, all the keyboard players, we just trained them uh, how to use uh, a keyboard we always had a, an acoustic piano layered in with a pad, and that pad could brighten up into a big synth patch. And so training them, okay, during the kind of tender moments of the song or the softer moments, you're going to have a nice soft pad. But when you get into the big choruses, you're going to brighten that up and really kind of almost becomes kind of uh, like a lead kind of sound. And so I think those those were good steps for those who are transitioning uh, into this kind of world. And then once you're comfortable with that kind of sound, then you can start to take the step of, okay, we need to get into software and it's still the same kind of, you know, you're using some of the similar sounds. You're just having to learn a, you're not doing it on the keyboard. You're doing it on your laptop and it's just kind of a step-by-step sort of thing. Okay. So let me ask you about pads for a second because, um, you know, I like to play around with little recording demos and that sort of a thing. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I don't, I can, I, like I said, I took six years of piano. I can find some notes here and there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but a lot of times, you know, if I go to a pad section in logic or something, right. I have to scroll <laughs> through like each one just to find the most basic yeah. sound, right? Yeah. Everything's like arpeggiators. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'm yeah. like modulators and all kinds of weird stuff. Yeah. How do you how do you get something really simple and basic to even start with? Because even just having a bunch of presets is super overwhelming to me. I mean, I don't know yeah. if it's like guitar. Like if you get a, a multi effects board on a guitar for electric. Yeah. There is not going to be a single sound on the presets that you want to use. Everything's going to be like <laughs> flanders and delays, and yeah. it's like the worst sound in the world. You're just like, how yeah. do I just build it up? Can you do that with with pads? Like, where do you start with that? Yeah. So whether you're using a, an actual keyboard or if you're using software, like you know, I use Omnisphere through uh, with everything, and it's just got thousands upon thousands of sounds and presets. And if you go to you know a certain pad and you dial it up. It, it could sound just crazy with all sorts of effects and and like you said arpeggiated kind of stuff and so um, you have to uh, you know certain terms like if you just want a basic pad looking for something that's like if you're on a keyboard or even if you're using software something that's like soft pad dark pad warm pad something like that is usually going to be pretty basic it's just going to be a nice kind of droning sound that isn't too overbearing um, and then you kind of start, you know, moving outside of that. Um, but that, that's kind of the place to start, uh, because yeah, I've done the same thing where I've just started dialing up presets and, and especially when I'm having to create sounds, uh, initially early on when I was creating sounds, I would just go through preset after preset and just change preset, play a note. Nope, that ain't it. Next preset, play a note and just keep going back and forth. And I'd drive my family crazy, <laughs> but after doing that for you know several years, you start to learn what these different pads are made up of and how they sound. And so now I can just go and dial up a uh, just kind of the uh, the foundation of that sound. You know, if it's a specific kind of wave format or if it's a specific kind of um, uh, synth that it's emulating, I can just go dial it up and start to change it and make it sound what it needs to. But that takes you know years of learning. I mean, same thing. I'm sure with a you know uh, with electric guitar, you you learn what uh, how a telly sounds different from you know a, a big semi hollow body or something like that. So uh, same thing on the keyboard side, just starting to listen and learn what the these different sounds sound like. So so you know I've I've watched a bunch of your videos over time and. Cause I'm always curious. I always take the songs and you know, we've been putting some of them on our YouTube channel, but we always do these rehearsal mixes as well, or mm -hmm. I would call them practice mixes. Um, yep. but, uh, essentially, so where we take like out the, the main song and we just put our instruments together and it's like, okay, right. this is basically how this, this yeah. sounds with just the five piece. Right. And, um, I'm always, I'm always shocked. Shocked isn't the word. I shouldn't be shocked now, but I do recognize it. Like the <laughs> amount of things that you put in, because we're all deciding these things kind of separately. We're, like we know what drums and bass are going to do. Yep. I'm working on my lead parts. I'm trying to figure out all those lead parts together. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, and Ryan will probably do this. And somehow you managed to do way more <laughs> than I'm ever expecting you to do. Like the, the, the amount of things that you fit in. And half the time, it seems like you're not even moving your hands that much. Yeah. Um, what are... But at the same time, you're still pulling like strings. You have these arpeggiated parts. You're working all this yeah. stuff. What's what is the most fun aspect for you in that? Like, what do you what do you like to play the most? Like, if you hear it in a song and go, "Oh, sweet, I get to work on that," oh. <laughs> or do you ever do that? <laughs> oh Lord, uh, yeah, it's you know, I mean, I do like to create the sounds from scratch, but sometimes that's also kind of a pain too because. 
it's because the amount of work and the amount of listening and just dialing in and um and so you know I'm, I'm working on a song right now that's got uh eight different uh parts in it and wait a minute is it a hillsong song yes it is <laughs> it is you know usually shocking. hillsong yeah shocking uh and that's not even going to cover all the parts um and so whenever you go and you listen to some of these hillsong tunes um it's it's a challenge to be able to cover all of those parts live. Number one, because a lot of that stuff, you know, the way that you play stuff live is totally different from the way you play stuff in the studio. Um, all of these parts that have been recorded have been recorded separately versus when we're doing this live, we're trying to take all of these parts that were recorded separately and put them into a single kind of keyboard performance. So a lot of times whenever you see my tutorials, I won't be playing necessarily exactly what was on the recording because I'm having to combine these different parts. So I might be playing a little bit of what the acoustic piano was doing and what the synth is doing and that sort of thing. But um, with, you know, because so much of these songs are very repetitive in nature, the keyboard side of things ends up becoming um, either one, just uh, very atmospheric um, or you're just providing textures, I guess you could say. So for instance, um, this particular song that I'm working on, uh, I've got an acoustic piano that I'm using the entire song, but then I've got kind of a, a string patch and a big, um, bright synth pad, and then kind of an airy, breathy synth pad that all of those are layered together. Now, you don't necessarily have to have all those, but that's just what creates the texture of the song. Uh, and then there are little synth parts here and there, some bells and chimes that are kind of here and there. And so, yeah, a lot of times you'll see me just kind of holding the chords and uh, this particular tune I'm working on today, um, the arpeggiator is actually playing the melody. So that way hmm. I don't have to play the melody. I'm just going to hold a chord and the arpeggiator is going to play the melody for me so that that way I can still continue to cover some of these textures and pulsing sense and that sort of thing. So um, it takes a lot of, you know, thinking through, okay, how are all these working together? What's necessary? A lot of times when you go and listen to these multi-tracks, you don't need all, all of those parts because it's not going to translate live the way that you're right. listening to it in your, in your room. So you don't need that pulsing scent that's buried, you know, up under 10 other things. Um, it, it sounds fine whenever you're listening to it on headphones or in your car or whatever, but once you get into a live environment, that's not going to translate as much as say this big lead bell sound that you need to play. So, um, so yeah. But yeah, it's, it's funny you know, we, we have access to stem tracks when we're working on stuff and I find if I, I can go down a weird rabbit hole in arranging things if I'm just listening to those individually, because yeah. there are these parts that are being played. And it's not like when, when I first went, you know, we used to do it just from the master. Yep. Now you have access to some stem tracks. And we, I, I find I still have to start with the master because yep. if you start with a stem track, you listen to things and then you're trying, okay, what is this part? Oh, and this part and this part. I have to, you yep. know, you're kind of building it. And then you go and you listen to the master and you're like, <laughs> yeah. I, I just wasted. I know it's <laughs> in there. I know it's in there. I'm listening yep. on really good headphones and I still can't yeah. hear it, you know? Yeah. And that's just... That's, that's, a, I think that's a, a piece. If you've ever worked in the studio, there's been so many times, like mm -hmm. I have a tendency to build these songs up with like tons of parts mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. just like pull them all back out. <laughs> you yeah. know, like, like, okay, yeah. I like this one and this one. Yeah. Um, 
But I think, well, I think a lot that's, of times those tracks are that's that's what kind of fills up that space, and we get so kind of yeah. caught in that. Yeah, that's something that I that that's kind of my my workflow is I'll listen to the master first because if I listen to the isolated tracks and then go listen to the master, my ear is automatically going to be searching for this, and your ear can kind of deceive you at times because you've already heard it. You're like, oh, I hear that. Versus if you did it the other way around. And you listen to the master first and then go back and start breaking it down. You're like, oh, that isn't as important. Uh, and so that's kind of what I always start, start with the master. And then I'll go and listen to uh, the stem tracks, kind of start to break them down, mute them, uh, and see what is absolutely necessary. Uh, and then that way that starts to give me what I need to actually work on and, and pull together. Very cool. So let me just quick ask you kind of going backwards you've been working on on these solo piano arrangements that you've been putting up on the green room uh, yep. over worshipirc.com slash green room where you've been taking these songs that you have all these layers and all these parts and then going yep. here's how i would play this on piano yep what is that process like going from this big thing and going backwards yeah so it's actually just a breath of fresh air to be able to just get rid of all that stuff and just dial up an acoustic piano with maybe a pad and then just kind of and be able to play. Um, and so as far as that process is concerned, whenever I'm doing the solo, going back now to the solo piano side, now you can start to add in more rhythm. And so a lot of times, as especially trying to play these songs, I'll, um, I'll, I'll begin to kind of think like an, acu uh, an acoustic guitar player would. Um, how you know they're subdividing a lot of their stuff because that subdivision helps move the song forward. And so... Um, I start to, you know, fill out my chords and really to, to give it some bottom end and I'll start to add in kind of going back and forth between each hand. You know, it might just be something as subtle as between my two thumbs on two different notes, but just to give it some subdivision to, to help move the song forward um, and adding in, you know, important melodies here and there. But it's just nice to be able to... Um, bring that in and, and show that, okay, you don't have to have all of these synth parts. You don't have to have a big, massive uh, band in order to pull these songs off. You know, you, you need to do what fits for your congregation. And so if your congregation is used to more of an acoustic unplugged kind of thing, then um, trying to uh, take one of these big synth songs and doing it with the synths isn't going to uh, necessarily match up to what maybe your congregation has been accustomed to, but you can still do these songs and strip them down and make them more acoustic friendly. Uh, and so that's kind of what I've been doing with um, a lot of these songs and posting it to our green room so that you can see that, oh, you know, if, if you want to do it more acoustic based, you can do that. Or if you're doing it with tracks, you can allow the tracks to handle everything. And here's just the piano part. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, and again, that's a good way to transition uh, maybe from playing solo acoustic piano over to playing piano with your entire band because you're beginning to play less and less and less. And so uh, as you add, it's kind of that, um, that whole deal of as you add more instruments, you're going to play less and less and less. So even as a keyboard player, as you're adding in more sounds, you're going to start to play less. So... Yeah, well, and that's where I think a lot of artistry comes from. You know, we yeah. we call our website Worship Artistry. The podcast is Worship Artistry. But it's really about trying to mold and adapt these songs to serve yeah. our purpose, right? And, yeah. And so I love I love breaking down the songs and creating these five-piece arrangements, but I do a solo acoustic section for each one too. And there's yeah. something so fun about going, okay, how do I take 
this piano part. Yeah. Put it on the guitar, but still make it sound like a guitar and not just mimicking like pianos. Like I've heard like every once in a while you hear uh, there, there's these strings, string groups out there like Vitamin String Quartet or mm-hmm. those sorts of things where they take pop songs and they play them all on strings. But sometimes right. they get so tight to what the melody is that it doesn't sound like strings. It sounds like right. almost like a karaoke thing. I'm just, yeah. here are the notes. Yep. It's like, well, no, that's that's not, it doesn't have the same effect. It's like yep. if you take that and make it feel like strings, well, now all of a sudden you've got this really, this right. really powerful part. Um, yeah. So uh, I recently actually heard a a pipe organ version of a Nirvana song. <laughs> oh wow, that was incredible! It was amazing. Oh, sure. uh, yeah, but uh, yeah. So yeah, there's lots of approaches that. Let, let me kind of jump over to one more thing real quick. One of the things that you do is 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 often you 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 play like B three sounds. Yeah. On your keyboard, is that a different approach as well? Like, does that? Oh yeah. What what how did how does that change things? Yeah, um, because the B3 functions a lot like a pad, um, you're not playing a lot of rhythm on it. You're just kind of you know playing a couple of notes. A lot of times, um, especially in more of this modern worship, rock, pop kind of um, setting, you're just kind of holding a couple of notes, maybe just two notes, maybe three notes, and you're allowing the B3, the, the, the big characteristic of the B3 is the Leslie cabinet, which is uh, basically a couple of big speakers that spin. And you can control how fast it spins or how slow it spins. So it kind of gives it that tremolo effect. And so a lot of times you'll play a chord and you'll, uh, you have a little switch that allows it to spin fast or spin slow. And that gives it a lot of character. And, and so you're doing more of kind of a, a pad kind of thing and sometimes it might be a high pad sometimes it might be a low pad but you're not necessarily playing big melodies or playing lots of rhythm or choppy kind of things uh it's just more of that um you're you're filling uh the the space as far as just kind of the chord and um, and, and the textures are concerned so yeah that's a totally different uh approach and uh, and it's a, it's a different approach for depending on the style that you're playing. I mean, if you if you do more kind of black gospel stuff, that's when they use both hands and their feet to play it, and that's just a totally different thing. Um, so yeah, mind blowing to me. <laughs> yeah, see guys working those things. I'm just like, what? Oh goodness, there's a uh, there's a girl that she posted a thing recently where she was just playing at her at her church, man, and I mean, and she just tears it up i'm sitting there just thinking i stink <laughs> you know <laughs> you're so much cooler than me <laughs> oh yeah i wish i could i wish i could do that but uh yeah w- one thing that i would say that uh, i've told i don't know if you've even seen this or not but you know a lot of people think that in order to be a great musician you have to know you have to play a lot you have to play a lot of different stuff there's got to be a lot of cool stuff in there and runs and all that kind of deal but it really boils down to playing what's necessary for the song. And one of my favorite things uh, that, that I saw, uh, I'm a huge Toto fan. And uh, on YouTube, you can go and break the, get the, uh, it's basically a, um, a multi-tracked version. They did it on, uh, on the radio for, uh, for whatever reason. It was kind of like a radio interview sort of thing. Oh, is it Sonic the- Exploder? I don't know if it was or not. It might it might be, but it's it's a thing. You can go check it out on YouTube, and you just search, search Toto um, Rosanna. And they break the song Rosanna out into all the different stems. And so they allow you to listen to the whole thing of just the drums. 
and then just the bass and then just, you know, this keyboard and then just the brass and all that sort of thing. And when you listen to the master, you're like, oh, there's so much going on in this thing. But then when you start to listen to the individual instruments, you're like, he's not hardly playing at all. Mm-hmm. But what he's playing is necessary for the song. It's tasteful. It's, you know, it's just, uh, it's just right. And, he, and they're not having to do a, just a ton of, a ton of stuff. And so that's a really cool thing to go check out if, uh, if, if you've never checked it out before. So. Very cool. Ryan, thanks so much man, for hanging out and, uh, and, and yeah. talking through this. I know that, you know, as musicians, we're always in transition. We're always trying new things. And, yep. uh, and I, I know, I know for myself, I look at your videos and you break them down so well. When I really sit down with them, I'm like, I can, like, you've taught me to do things on the keyboard, mm. which is awesome. Because cool. <laughs> cool. I, I, right, especially when you were first starting, I was like, all right, I got to make sure that these work. <laughs> so I like, sit down <laughs> and do it. And it was like, wow, this is incredible how <laughs> much this all comes together. But it's because you're scaffolding all the time. You know, you're adding yeah. this part and then you're adding this part. Yeah. And just the way that all comes together. So, you know, my encouragement would be to, you know, to all keyboard players out there, whether you're piano player or keyboard you know the idea is like you said to really serve the song yeah try and be in a place and remember that we're not we're not the worship music at a church is very different than music pretty much anywhere else musicianship yeah. can be just as high level but mm. in terms of what we're trying to accomplish it's different and so approaching songs in a way that this is what this song needs so that we can give the congregation what they need right is is our like our utmost uh responsibility yeah. so Ryan, thanks so much for talking us through that. Guys, if you want to check out uh, any of Ryan's lessons, any of his over 400 lessons on (laughs) worshipartistry.com, you can do that. You can actually sign up with a free account, check it all out, and then uh, we give you a nice little promo code. It's a little bit bigger than a little. It's like a medium medium to higher (laughs) size promo code if you sign up for that free account, and uh, you can get a huge discount if you want to do it. So anyway... Uh, check out some of Ryan's lessons. Uh, you can also check out his patches on those lessons. Yes. You can download those if you have Omnisphere, right? You have yes. to have Omnisphere. Yeah, you got to have Omnisphere. Some of them uh, require Keyscape, um, but you don't have to have Keyscape if you're using your own kind of piano sound. You can do that, um, but you it's definitely for Omnisphere. So if you have Omnisphere, you can download the patch in it, or you can download kind of this this bundle per song, and it gives you all the patches for that specific song. They'll save you at least the 10 minutes of watching your tone, your tone videos. <laughs> at least. <laughs> Bare minimum. So, Ryan, thanks so much for being here. Guys, If uh, we're, we're still looking for a few more member mail questions. We're, we're getting real close to the end of the season here. We've got a few more guests. So uh, hit us up with those. Support at worshipartistry.com. Or you can always hit us up on Facebook. Uh, uh, Facebook.com slash worshipartistry. We love to hear from you. Guys, we'll see you next week. Later. <laughs>